Hi guys, before we hop into the episode, I have something very special to announce in case you didn't know already. If you are listening to this episode right when it comes out, we are in the middle of signups for the next round of Metamorphosis and I am just so freaking happy and so freaking excited to be doing this program again. It's been a minute and I am having so much fun getting all of you guys signed up for this next round. So Metamorphosis, if you don't know, it is my signature confidence building program. It is my life, my heart, my soul, my purpose, my joy. Um, It is everything that I know about confidence and it is the complete metamorphosis of where you are now to where you want to be. It is healing your inner child, is getting past self-doubt and imposter syndrome. It is subconscious reprogramming and belief work. It is talk of relationships and purpose and body image and working through indecisiveness and getting into your power. It is all of the things um, to transform you and your confidence. And this isn't just for someone who is at the start of your confidence journey. Um, This program goes deep and it goes wide and it has all of the steps and building blocks you need to really get into your next level of power. Um, And like I said, it is just my absolute pride and joy and my favorite place to hang out. So I'm so happy and so grateful that doors are open. The link is in the show notes. You can just click on Maddie's offerings um, and you can apply for Metamorphosis. Doors close on June 24th and we officially start on June 27th. So if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to me by email or you can DM me on Instagram um, and I would love to chat with you and give you all the information you need to see if Metamorphosis is right for you. So I love you guys. I hope you guys love this episode and let's get into it. Hello guys and welcome back to Breaking Butterfly. I am so grateful to have you guys here today. Um, Today's episode, I am joined by a very special guest and I will get into a little bit of like why I'm so excited about this. It's kind of also piggybacking off of like another episode I just did, but today with me I have Marissa Moyer. She is a corporate rebel, a former culture director, a current people skills and influence coach. And she spent 10 years in corporate America observing power dynamics, transforming company culture, and figuring out what makes someone authentically and sustainably influential. So she now teaches ambitious professionals how to become office influencers no matter what their job title is. And guys, I was so grateful when I found Marissa because... So I didn't tell Marissa this, but I just did an episode with one of my like former clients And it was all about um, like ditching entrepreneurship to manifest a nine to five. And in that episode, yeah, we were talking a lot about how the personal development industry like is very much pushing the entrepreneurship route. And I just have found that's just so not in alignment for me. And I've done it too. Like I've done a lot of business coaching and like really pushed people into like build a coaching business, build a business that creates freedom. And like that, that is what is like not playing small, right? To not play small, you need to like go into entrepreneurship. Yeah. And it's just not true. It's just not fully supportive um, of everyone, which is really what we talked about in my last episode. It just wasn't supportive for my client. And she found like the best job 
ever, pretty much. Um, that's so supportive for her. So I'm so grateful to have Marissa because we're going to talk today about creating confidence in a more um, uh, traditional career and talk about like the corporate world and how to create confidence and become influential and, you know, live into your full potential in a career. It doesn't have to be entrepreneurship. So I am really, really excited to have Marissa here because I am not an expert in this, but she is. So say hello and yeah, welcome to the podcast. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Maddie. And you have such great energy. I just want to say that. Like, (laughs) this is my first time meeting you and talking to you, but um, you have such a warm, authentic presence. So I really appreciate that. That makes me so happy. I'm glad you feel safe here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited to have you. And yeah, I think like first things first, let's dive a little bit into your journey. I feel that every Mm -hmm. coach or expert usually doesn't teach on the topic that they do unless they have like their own experience with it, their own story. So Yeah. yeah, dive into a little bit of how you got here. Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated college and made my way out into the job world and landed my first first corporate job pretty quickly out of college and um, stayed there for five years. I was in the insurance field and I learned a ton from that. You know, I saw the good, the okay, and the really, really ugly. And I, you know, excelled, but I reached a point where I was just like, this is you know, this is not what I'm meant to be doing. Like I personally need something that's a little more purpose-driven and I was just really kind of burnt out on the current culture that I was in. So I ended up taking a big leap of faith. Uh, I thankfully, since I got into that corporate job had been diligently, um, putting into my 401k and this is not financial advice that I would give anyone, but I got to the point where I quit my job and I did not have another one lined up. I was just at that point of feeling like I can't be in this environment anymore. I don't know what the next thing I'm going to do is, but I'm going to do it. So I cashed out my 401k and um, thankfully, two weeks later, I ended up uh, at a very purpose-driven company that I ended up staying at for the next five years and that I grew into a leadership role with. So it was just um, it was just a beautiful, transformative scary time of my life. But through my journey in corporate America, I would say that I I really used to identify with the label of an anxious achiever or like an awkward achiever. I've always been someone who had a lot of anxiety. I don't identify as that now because I've really kind of transformed, especially over the last like four years or so. So um, yeah, it has been, I have learned so much about the working world, about what makes people authentically influential, what makes people um, influential in a very fragile sense, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, what type of uh, persona can be um, turned upside down very quickly when you're not authentic and when you don't have deep, deep roots with people. So you know, I ended up um, after being in my leadership role as a culture director in my last company where I mentored a lot of people. Um, I was in kind of a unique position where I was actually able to hold leadership 
people that were above my position accountable for things. And I was also mentoring um, a lot of the office influencers below me and helping develop, develop them into leadership positions. And it was just something that I was so passionate about. I've learned so much as through my own personal journey mm-hmm. and watching other people ascend up the ladder that um, I decided to take the leap and start my own business. So here we are. I love that. I love that so much. You definitely have a lot of experience, um, which I think is so awesome that you have, what, like 10 years of experience just in the world. And like you said, just like watching these dynamics, watching people like, you know, struggle and rise up and like what makes people truly, truly influential. So mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I we have your expertise here. Yeah, I was also an anthropology major, <laughs> which is kind of relevant being that I ended up you know, growing into a company, an organizational culture role, which is never where I thought that I would end up when I majored in anthropology. It just kind of organically happened that way. And so that was just so, so interesting to me. But that's kind of uh, an integral, integral piece of why I view the world the way that I do and why I've always been such a people watcher and why it has just, I guess, kind of come natural to me to like, watch how all the pieces are fitting together from a distance so totally yeah being the observer is one of the most like powerful things truly is just observing so that's amazing I love that okay so can you tell us like what it actually truly means to be an office influencer yes so an office influencer is someone who is high in referent power So referent power, there's five types of power that happen in the workplace. Referent power is the type of power that you gain from people simply genuinely liking you and respecting you and admiring you. And so that is primarily what I teach because anyone can get that. And that's why I always emphasize it it doesn't matter what your job title is. You could be the most entry-level employee in a company and still develop a lot of referent power. And that is going to take you very far. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, an office influencer is someone who uh, is high in communication skills. It's someone who um, is high in expertise. They have found their little niche where they know a lot about something that maybe no one else in the company knows a lot about. Um, And they just generally give off a, a presence of, you know, strength and confidence. So that's what I want to help. Um, that's what I really enjoy helping people develop because a lot of people want to be there, but they internalize this idea that, you know, charisma or those type of skills are things that some people just have and some people just don't. And I must be the type of person who I just don't have it. Like it's not natural yeah, to yeah. me, but that is completely untrue. These skills are 100% developable. And I know that because I developed them because I used to be in that place of feeling anxious or like, you know, that just that's just not who I am. So totally. Yeah, it reminds me of even just um I can't remember who was sharing this with me a while back, but um I heard an experience like that where someone was like not feeling their best or they just like weren't you know, they're just not like super bubbly outgoing and then they just like weren't having the best day. And then their manager pulled them aside and was like, you need to like, you need to be more bubbly and have this like personality and da, 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 da. And she was like, that's just not who I am. 
And then I saw a post of yours that was talking about like you don't have to be bubbly and outgoing to be like approachable. Um, And I thought that was so interesting. So somebody that is in that place that's like, sorry, like I'm just not like this bubbly, outgoing, charismatic person. Like what, what are the first steps that you went through or that you would take a client through that is struggling with something like that? Like how do you yeah. get people to referent power? Yeah. Um, so for specifically for the example of someone who is not naturally a super bubbly open person, um, I think the big thing with that is just being mindful of your body language and the way that you receive people when they come to interact with you. So mm-hmm. I think one of the rarest currencies on earth right now is full and undivided attention. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about an office influencer, an office influencer is someone who can freely give that. Like if you think about what people always say about the most charismatic people and charismatic people occupy the full spectrum of personality types, right? The thing that people always say about those people is they made me feel like I was the most important person in the room, you know? And I made another video recently where I talked about how it has never been easier to be an influential person because the bar is so freaking low now because people are always on their phones. We have, we are in an age where we are just consuming and being hit with so much more information and stimuli than ever before. So you know, it's, we're not in a place where we're easily giving each other that full undivided attention. So even if you're not someone who's bubbly and happy and what have you, um, characteristics that are often expected of women, right? Um, you can still make someone feel totally safe in coming to you and you don't have to project an inauthentic personality in order to do that. So, You know, if someone came to me with that issue, the first thing that I would want to talk to them about would be let's let's work on your self-awareness and let's um, be mindful of, you know, what type of body language are you typically displaying with people Uh, when people come to you? Are you really remaining present like things of that nature? It's really a lot of it is in the smaller aspects of your presence and they're not actually super hard things. You just have to be mindful of them as you're in those situations. Yeah. I mean, I see it as almost just like thinking about other people rather than yourself in a sense. Like, Yes. I actually had that on my list to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's where a lot of confidence comes from. Like when we're so in our head about ourselves and like, are people going to like me? And am I acting the right way? And is my manager mad at me? And like, you're just so wrapped up in that rather than thinking about like, What am I contributing? Am I valuing other people? Like, instead of thinking about, are other people valuing me? Like, I think that's just such a huge aspect of of confidence is just honestly how how you treat people and and a huge part of like what I always say like in my teachings around confidence is get out of your head and back into your heart. Like so much of confidence is just getting out of the headspace and back into your heart, into your body, into service into love into like this really soulful place um and it's interesting how much that kind of is connecting with what you're what yes. you're sharing um and also what you're talking about really reminds me of the book uh how to win friends and influence people i'm sure you've yes. read it i never finished it cuz i never finish a book ever 
I'm um, the same. I was about to say, I have skipped around that book probably 75 times in my life, but yeah. I've never read it start to finish. Yeah, me neither. But I, what I do remember from it was literally like, okay, here's how you win friends and influence people. Um, use people's name when you talk to them. Listen to them. Ask them questions about themselves. It's like, it's not yes. about like having the best banter and like being really funny and like, yes. it's it's literally just that like, is so listen. exactly true. Um, you know the the more inward facing you are, the more anxiety you are going to feel because that is mm-hmm. what you are focusing on. And you know, I often say that good people skills are often a less a lot less work than bad people skills because. Mm-hmm. When you go into situations feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, like kind of with a takers or a self-centered mindset, what are they going to think of me? What am I, do I have, you know, witty enough things to say? Do I have interesting enough things to say? Me, 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 me. Yeah. When it's so much easier to walk into a situation and to be like, oh, wow, like what's exciting in your life? What are you up to? How did you do that? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? Like there's really a lot less pressure on you than you would think to provide. Like, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us grow up feeling like, you know, I have to provide value in these interactions in certain ways, or, you know, like a big thing um, when it comes to people is, you know, when they're confiding in you about something, or a lot of times when people are venting to you about things, we feel this drive to fix and to provide solutions People don't actually want that. And it is more work for you to go into that interaction feeling like, how am I going to fix this for them? You know, when they don't even necessarily want that. So there are these weird traps where like when we're experiencing that thing from another person, we know it's obnoxious, but then we go (laughs) and we do it ourselves, you know? So yeah, Yeah. It, it is this like, um, I think it's this disconnect between like what we view as valuable. Like, do you have any experience of, yeah, maybe what you saw as what you've, what you used to think was valuable to give and like what you now know is valuable to give when it comes to like a traditional job and being in that kind of um, like office environment? Yeah. Um, You know, what I used to think was valuable to give. Um, I'm trying to think of a specific example. Yeah. Like I'll How even just, you... oh, sorry, yeah, go you ahead. no, 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 you go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll just kind of even share what I'm thinking, like from my own business, like mm-hmm. at the beginning of like my coaching journey, I thought that I needed to give like so much information. Kind of like we were just saying, like I wanted my master classes to be like two hours long and I wanted to give like all of this information and all of these like things and tips and all of this stuff pretty Mm -hmm. much. And I thought that was what was valuable. But now I've like really learned that it's actually just giving people a space to heal and creating a safe space or a safe community. And of course, still sharing the wisdom that I have and, you know, giving like guidance and tips and all those things. It's not like I've like completely eradicated that from my business or my Mm -hmm. programs, but I've really shifted into like realizing the value isn't necessarily in what I say, Mm -hmm. but more in the energy that I create and the space that I create. Um, And yeah, I can, I can just see something similar possibly happening in a corporate world. Cause I feel like a lot of girls 
go into a new job and think like, oh, I don't know enough. But like is knowing enough really valuable or are there other things that are more valuable? You know, what's what this is making me think of is the fact that a lot of people who are really ambitious and who want to get ahead at work, especially people earlier in their career or people who are not super self-aware yet, they think that they need to go in and prove themselves so hard and just volunteer Mm -hmm. for everything and do everything. And just be all over the place and just hand up every single time. Um, But what's actually more valuable is doing fewer things well. One of my sayings that I like to repeat often is it's better to do a few things well than to do a lot of things shittily. Um, And there is no (laughs) shittily. Um, There's so much value in just focusing on a couple of things and really delivering on those. That is what people value. Um, Of course, what comes with that when you're in a corporate environment is once your leadership identifies you as a high performer, they're going to want to start dumping all this other stuff on you because they're going to see that you're one of their top people. Um, And I think a lot of people who are ambitious feel like, oh, well, you know, I have to accept, I have to say yes. But if you're in that situation, kind of think about who really has the power in that situation. Mm -hmm. It's actually you as the high performer, right? Like they're not going to fire you because you're performing so well. And then they tried to give you seven other projects and then you didn't take them on. Like they don't want to stress you to the point where you're not going to be able to perform at that level anymore. So I think going into, if, if you are a very ambitious person, going into it with the mindset of the best thing that I can provide is consistency and reliability and, you know, consistency in, in my performance, um, consistency in my behavior, and consistency in the results that you see. So that when I do take something on, people look around and go like, oh, shit, this is going to be good. Like, Marissa's in charge of this. Like, I know that yeah. because of the past results that I've seen. So I think that is the biggest thing that trips up a lot of people who really want to go far in their career, for sure, is thinking that more is more when less is actually more. Totally. And I feel like this goes for so many other things too. I mean, just like your confidence in general. Um, I always teach my girls like accept who you are not and amplify who you are because so many of us just in general, like in our jobs or outside of our jobs, even just like in relationships, like we think we're supposed to be everything. Like we're supposed to be the prettiest and the funniest and the best at sports and really coordinated and really smart and a really good listener, but then also a really good talker. And like, we feel like we're supposed to be really good at everything Mm -hmm. and you're really not. You're supposed to be like exactly who you're supposed to be. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that translates so much in, in your performance in a career. It does. And there's actually research backing that exact thing that you just said, that when you focus more on amplifying your strengths versus trying to bring up your weaknesses, I mean, not to say that you should never work on them or that you shouldn't work on mitigating them, but you're going to, um, you're going to experience so much more growth as a person when you just focus on like really fully lean into who you, who you actually are, what you are actually thriving at, what comes naturally to you. So Totally. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I love it. 
Um, what you were sharing about like when you do something really well, like there might be leadership that tries to throw more on you. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to dive into that more because I feel like a huge yeah. <clears throat> conversation that my audience would love to hear is mm-hmm. like how to deal with shitty leadership or managers. Um, mm-hmm. Like what do you do if, yeah, say you start, you know, doing really good at your job and then management is like, all right, here's all these other tasks or maybe even just mm-hmm. one thing I hear a lot is like, oh, well, we're understaffed right now, so I have to take on more work. And I'm mm-hmm. always like, no, you don't. It means that your leadership needs to hire more people. Like them being understaffed and having a high turnaround rate does not mean that you need to work outside of your job description without getting paid more for the work that you're doing, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I get so frustrated when my girls are like, oh, I'm working overtime because this person left their job. I'm like, that is not your job. That is not your job. So no. what is your advice to the girls that are dealing with shitty management? Yeah. Pretty much. So the first, the first scenario in which you're doing great and they see that and they're like, oh my gosh, this person is our savior. We're going to put all of this extra work on them. I, so the reason that I put corporate rebel in my bio is because Mm -hmm. I refuse to teach that ridiculous ass, like completely watered down corporate speak that, you know, they're like, oh, you need to communicate with, with leadership this way. And the final result is not even close to what you are actually trying to express. I believe in kind, strong, direct communication. And so in that situation, if I were, you know, the influencer, the high achiever, I'd be like, listen, I'm really flattered that you guys think that, you know, I'm, I'm doing so well and that you want to trust me with these responsibilities, but plain and simple, I, I can't do all of this. And my performance is going to go down in all other areas. If you don't realize that I've reached, I've reached my cap. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I really believe in communicating extremely directly about things like that. Hey, I am happy to work on these things and even to advocate for the things that you do want to be working on. You know, I think you need to be communicating with your leadership. Hey, this is where I'm trying to go. And so these are the extra things that I want to be working on. So you have Mm -hmm. like your regular job and then you're always going to have these other opportunities that come your way. And it's okay to work on things outside of your job description. It really is. Um, Especially if they are in service of your wider career goals, but you need to be explicit with them, you know, that you are doing these things for a purpose. So setting that um, boundary is really important. And I think a lot of people are afraid to do that. But in my personal experience, most people in the corporate world, so, you know, I was in just like the epitome of the corporate world, like big company, home office, everything's got to go through seven different levels of approval for anything to happen. There's process on process on process. And then the last company that I was at was more in the startup space where everything's kind of more freewheeling. There's more creativity allowed. Um, So, you know, I've experienced both of those environments, but people are usually generally very pleasantly surprised when you just say what you're actually trying to say, you know, and you end up eliminating a whole lot of headaches for yourself Um, and establishing this kind of goes to boundaries and like establishing respect for you as a person. Like people respect someone who can just come out and say what they're trying to say. And I think that 
in the corporate world, like women feel like we are kind of, we're, we're kind of pushed between two extreme ends of the spectrum. Like either we're super bubbly and agreeable and, you know, even kind of submissive and happy and just like willing to go along with whatever, or we have to be that cold, hard bitch who's just, mm-hmm. you know, who's just charging through and making things happen. And, um, there is a happy middle where you can kindly, I mean, look at my face right now. Like I could be talking to you as my manager and be like, thank you so much for bringing that to me. Um, I, I don't want to work on that. That's not something that is within my career goals. Um, I'd prefer to stay working on these few projects that you've already given me. And I'm really at capacity. So that's just not a possibility for me right now. Yeah. And and like literally what's the worst that can happen if you exactly. just express yourself? Like, who has the power? You. So I, I like to say that high performance is the secret ingredient to um to power in the workplace because you have more leverage like mm-hmm. you just do you know especially if you're setting boundaries what are they what are they really going to do to you i mean if they do actually punish you or say that they're going to fire you i mean that's their loss and you're going to take your high performing ass somewhere else so yeah, totally know. and and i feel like you know there's such a negative like energy kind of towards the corporate world right now because there are a lot of workplaces that are pretty toxic um, or just not treating their employees the way they should. Mm -hmm. And like what I've been saying is like, well, we just have to be even more strict in the boundaries because if everybody raises their standards and like sets their boundaries, like companies and like the higher ups, like they will eventually have to – um what's the word like yeah like accommodate like they will have to you know start treating their employees better they will have to start to you know raise the pay and the salary because if not their company's literally going to go under but if we keep letting these Mm higher-ups and these companies like walk all over us well then Mm -hmm. the corporate world isn't going to change and leadership in these corporate worlds aren't going to change because if we're letting them walk all over us then they're going to keep keep doing that. So I feel that having those those boundaries and those standards is not just making your work life better. It's also doing something for like it's going to make really, really huge shifts. Um, It is. Yeah. And you're so right. And I really feel strongly that that is exactly what is happening right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. these huge companies that are just holding on to dear life, the notion that they're going to go, that they're ever going to go back to the way of life where every single person comes into the office every day. I mean, it's, it's a, a dying gasp. Like it really is like, it's not going to work. People are, I, I, I feel that that is one of the only um, positive things that came out of the pandemic is just this huge cultural shift in work culture. I mean, totally. people, have never been more demanding of companies in terms of emotional intelligence, in terms of giving a crap about their well-being, in terms of letting people live full and authentic lives. And the truth is that it's just so funny that these massive companies that care more about profit than anything don't realize is that people perform better. People perform better when they get to live their lives, you know, it, it affects their bottom line. Like yeah. you will profit more when you treat your people as people, when you give them the flexibility to, you know, if some 
you know, if there's a parent at home who works from home and has to go get their kid from soccer practice at three, like they shouldn't have to be like going through a whole process to get permission to do that. Like we are all full grown adults. We all have the ability to look at our calendars and figure out if we, you know, can swing something like those types of accommodations should simply be a part of every work culture. So yeah, I think that we are definitely drifting towards that for sure. Yeah. Um, the best job I ever worked, well, there's really two, um, but like big company job. I worked for In-N-Out Burger and I don't, I don't know if you're on the East or the West Coast, but I'm a big, I'm still. I'm in Dallas, so I'm right in the middle, but I have been In-N-Out and it was only a couple of years ago I went for the first time and I was like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's not for like the food, like I, I'm the biggest In-N-Out stan. Like I am such a huge yeah. fan. Um, I still have dreams often about working at In-N-Out, like oh, really? all the time. Oh my gosh, wow. all the time. And that. like, it's not even just that I'm like, I don't believe like In-N-Out is the best like burger in the world, but I do believe it's one of the best companies in the whole entire world. And the thing about In-N-Out, like we work our asses off and everyone would always be like, everyone is always smiling. Like everyone is always like having fun and high energy. And like you watch the associates working there. And they're just like mm-hmm. so happy and just most of the time. I would say 80 85% of the time we were having the time of our lives and people were yeah. always like, is that like fake? Like how is everyone just smiling all the time? And I'm like, no, we are treated so freaking well. It is one of the best companies in the world. They truly care about their associates and their employees. Um, you are always growing. You are always learning something new and getting really good feedback. It is like a family and you are getting paid way more than anyone. I mean, I was always getting paid like our minimum wage is like eight twenty-five in Utah. Yeah. And I believe that in and out starts at fifteen dollars. And yeah. you can start working there as like a fifteen and a mm-hmm. half year old, making wow. fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, and but then like great. I said, you're always climbing the ladder and you're always going up and like management mm-hmm. makes like a really good amount of money. And so it just in and out like really taught me like what happens when you care about your employees and like mm-hmm. you give them space to grow and you care about them and you just you just treat them good. And like you said, like if somebody has a really special event, like what well, we'd all be trying to cover each other's shifts and like help each other out. Um, right. Yeah. And it just showed me what happens when you are treated well. Um, and mm-hmm. that's why even for me, when I have like when I work with people in my business now or I don't even like to say that I have employees because I don't have employees. I have like people that work with me on my team. Yeah. My partners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I always pay them. I always from the get go paid them more than I thought that I should because I know that they'll show up and and do the work and I give them freedom. Now I'm just rambling, Mm -hmm. but yeah, Yeah. just that's my experience with um, just being treated really well. And I showed the fuck up for that job. I really did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that you shared that. Um, and that is exactly the type of culture that I tried to cultivate in my previous job. And the reason that, mm-hmm. you know, we witnessed such a transformation, like when I first got there, you know, it was, it was definitely in an adolescent kind of growing pains phase of a company. There wasn't a lot of process. There wasn't a lot of, um, you know, I, I talk in my content about the difference between like a bad working environment, a toxic working environment and an abusive working environment. And I would say that it was just kind of at the point of being bad as in 
you know, there wasn't enough of anything really. Mm-hmm. And morale wasn't super great. But over the several years that I was in that position, I certainly wouldn't take credit for that whole transformation because we had a lot of leaders who came in and just helped us totally transform it. But we got to the point, like when I left, employees truly loved coming to work every day. And I always say this, it is not because the company was perfect. It's not because we didn't have any problems. We had problems, but we were self-aware and authentic as an organization. We mm-hmm. had, you know, we we had the awareness to say, you know what, you are right. There, there are issues over here. Here's what we can commit to to do about them. This other thing, we simply don't have the whatever it is, the resources to deal with this right now. But they truly trusted and believed in us when we said things like that. Um, I think authenticity from leadership in any company, whether you're just an entrepreneur or a bigger company is so important. And that's what makes people actually dedicated and excited to come to work every day because they know they're working with real people and it's a psychologically safe environment, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's such a great story. And, um, you know, just really emphasizes what's actually important to employees today, which is authenticity. I think more authenticity than ever is being demanded at the corporate level. And some companies are keeping up and some companies are not. <laughs> so totally. Yeah. What What would you say would be like the, um, what's the word I want to use? Like if someone's in a really toxic job and like a really toxic environment, like what would be the last straw that you say like there's no hope. Just quit that job. Like you're not going to find joy there type of thing. Because I feel like a lot of people are probably going to listen to this and be like, okay, well, like, you know, is me having like more kind and assertive like uh, communication and showing up in these different ways, is that really going to like help me enjoy this job? Or is like, what are the signs that you would look for that's like, no, there's just no hope. Like just get out of there. So that's a great question because a lot of people are dealing with this. So a bad working environment is an environment, uh, an environment that's simply bad is an environment that you can learn so much in that is truly a gift to you, especially if you're an ambitious person who wants to go Mm. on and become really influential or become a leader because you see everything that doesn't work. So a bad work environment is simply inefficient. Um, people probably just don't really know what they're doing. (laughs) There's poor communication. Things are getting dropped all the time. There's not very many resources, et cetera, et cetera. It's annoying. It's frustrating. It's demotivating, but it's not actively harming you, right? A toxic work environment is getting more into malicious gossip, backstabbing, a culture of fear, a culture of blame, Um, destructive competitiveness between employees, things like that. And that's really going to start to drain your mental health. And it's really up to you to decide, you know, like you are not going to, no matter how influential you are, you're not going to turn around a whole culture like that because, you know, culture is top down. So Mm -hmm. if the leaders at the top are toxic and terrible, then you're not going to be, unless you change them, you're not changing the entire company. So you should never really put that burden on yourself. And 
it kind of depends on what else is going on in your professional life. Like maybe you have a job title, like what kind of bargaining power are you trying to gather before you move on to your next position? Do you have everything that you need to really secure the next best position for yourself? And if you don't, and if you think that you can stand to stay in that work environment for X amount of time, you know, I think setting a time limit on things like that can really help sometimes. So if you go, okay, this environment is not good for me, but I know that I'm only going to stay in it for another three months or another six months. And I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and I can deal with it until, until then. That's something that you could do. But the point of no return where there is really zero amount of money, zero amount of experience or, or anything really that is worth it is if it's an abusive work environment. And that is, that's like direct bullying, that's harassment, that's discrimination, that's, you know, I personally consider like yelling behavior, you know, like emotional abuse, yelling. It's crazy to me how many people describe that happening at their corporate job. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, that is literally never acceptable. Yelling? Are we kidding? Absolutely not. Um, yeah. So, you know, those things are truly detrimental to your mental and physical health. Like those things all bleed over. And I'm, I'm sure that you talk about this a lot in your type of content, but that's my opinion. You know, if you're in an abusive environment, you just need to get out and never look back. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And like you said, it's quite surprising how often people are staying in those types of environments of mm -hmm. just – yeah, the things I hear, maybe also not even necessarily in like a corporate world, um, mm -hmm. but even just like in um, like restaurant jobs and stuff like that. Some of the things I've heard from my clients that like their management will like do and say to them, I am like appalled like that someone would treat someone else like mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah. But again, like the fact that we don't fully stand up to them is the reason they stay in this management and they just keep treating people like shit. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's so many um, people in situations like that. And I guess like my next question, it kind of leads to then like, how do, I think that I have a skewed perception of like how many good like nine to five corporate type jobs are out there. Like I kind of have this perception mm -hmm. that like all of it's bad, like corporate is bad and like all of it's toxic. Like, in your experience, do you believe that there's a lot of amazing workplaces there? And how do you, how would you find them? Um, what do you look for? Like if you were to go look for a new corporate job right now, what would the signs be that you would look for that it was like a good place to work? Yeah. I think that any environment that's going to be a good environment for you now is going to be aware of what culture even means. <laughs> They're mm. going to know what you're talking about when you ask, what is the culture like? And I also think something that should start to become standard procedure um, that we implemented at my last company was if you are interviewing at a new company, you should be able to talk to some of their employees one-on-one -on -one as like, mm -hmm. you know, they ask you for references and you should be able to speak to their employees as references, you know? Um, totally. I think a company that is, again, self-aware enough to, um, you know, understand that like if they just project an image of happy, happy, joy, joy all the time, that's a huge red flag. Like that's probably an organization that is toxically positive. Like, you know, as someone who used to head up 
interviews and the whole recruiting process, you can be appropriately honest with people who are coming into the company and you want to be because you want them to be mentally and emotionally prepared for what's going on. Like this is what we have that's going absolutely awesome right now. These are areas for opportunity that we're working on right now. So I just want you to be aware of that because, um, you know, this is the type of mindset that we really need in this company right now. And this is where we're still struggling a little bit, but we're doing X, Y, and Z to work on it. You know, just realness, you know, just Mm -hmm. like actually being real in your answers and not trying to project some sort of overly, you know, uh, romanticized vision of what it's like to work here. So um, asking questions about what the culture is, asking questions about like, what does work-life balance actually mean to you guys here? You know, Mm -hmm. like when people take time off, are they really off? Or is there any situations when, you know, people are off, but they're still calling into meetings or how does that really work here? Um, what is y'all's attitude towards um, uh, conflict resolution? You know, how if if there are ever meetings and people are disagreeing on something, how does that usually go down at your company? Just different situational things. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, the manner of the person answering those questions is really important. Like, are they are they being real right now? (laughs) Or are they projecting something that seems a little sus, you know? So that's what I would do. I would be, I would definitely be asking the probing questions because at the end of the day, you know, you can, you can handle a lot when it comes to the actual work, like the real buy-in from employees comes from having that safe environment. So, you know, if I'm, if I know for sure that I'm in a safe environment that sees me as a whole person, treats me as a whole person, um, and I'm interested in the work, at least, this kind of goes back to what you brought up at the very beginning of the conversation. I don't yeah. think that everyone, I think it's kind of elitist and silly to have this idea that every person in the world is going to be working a job that they're just absolutely passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like, I personally just don't think that that's always necessary. Like a lot of people are working their job to to live and they're finding fulfillment in their lives in other ways. They're finding their ultimate fulfillment through their family, through their hobbies or what have you. And that's a completely valid way of living. And I think that we also need to normalize that. Yeah, I I completely agree. I have moments sometimes myself where I'm like, I kind of just want to work a job and have someone like tell me what to do. And then my passions and the things that fulfill me don't have to be my job and my way of making money. It's something mm-hmm. that I get to do like outside of that. And yeah, I just think it's a really, really toxic mindset. And again, why I'm like so grateful to be having this conversation um, and some other conversations I've been having. It's just like really opening the eyes that like you can find, you can create a fulfilling life and a life with balance and joy like mm-hmm. while working a job like that's normal that's a normal human thing to like work a job and yeah and to to work to live is okay and you know I I think that quiet quitting has obviously been a huge term of conversation over the last year and a half two years I think it's a misnomer because what people are basically saying is that they work to meet expectations and that's it um versus you know going hardcore all the time and 
though I specifically am talking to those ambitious individuals who are trying to do extra and are trying to advance their career, quiet quitting, quote unquote, is a totally valid way of living. You know, like it just is, like I was just saying. Um, So yeah, I just kind of lost my train of thought, but I was, I was going somewhere else with that. (laughs) No, you're good. Like, I mean, even in business itself, like I always thought like I need to strive to be like the best and grow my business and have a bunch of employees and make like a million dollars a year and da 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 and like no that's just not I actually truly and this might change like watch people are gonna like bookmark this episode when I'm a millionaire and like I totally changed my mind again but at this at but this it's okay point, to evolve as a person, Maddie. <laughs> at this point in my life, though, like in this present moment right here, right now, like, no, I don't want to be a millionaire and I don't want to have a bunch of employees. Like, it's just not that type of lifestyle. I don't feel would be supportive for me and like my mm-hmm. personality and how I work and my design and like what I truly want out of life in this moment. Like, Mm-hmm. I prefer a more simple life. Like I don't need to be this overachiever that's like hitting all these goals and like growing, 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 growing. Like yeah. doesn't mean I'm not like ambitious, but I'm not necessarily ambitious in the way that I used to think that I should be of like these yes. certain milestones that I wanted to reach. Yes. Um, and now I'm, it's more like, yeah, I, I more want like peace and healing and family time and Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, just a more simple life. And I just think it's so important to normalize that in a world that is so much about like growing your following, making a fuck ton of money, like, yeah, climbing yeah. the ladder, being at the top, yes. being a CEO, being a boss bitch. I don't want to yes. be a boss bitch. I want to be a peaceful, yes. supported, healing, abundant bitch. Yes. And I'm I'm so glad you mentioned that because I've been talking more to recently about knowing what your values are and how important that is to living your life. Like you just told me what your values are and that guides how you live your life. A lot of people don't know what their values are. And so they are stuck chasing that idea of success. And I think Mm -hmm. this is why we hear so many people, you know, how many times have you heard a celebrity or someone just super, super successful say, I got to the top and it was hollow. Like, yeah, I, I got there, I achieved it. And then I didn't know why the hell I did any of that. And then I was more depressed than ever. It's because, Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't know what's really guiding your life, it is okay to, be someone who comes to work to get the paycheck. You're not interested in moving up. You're not interested in doing any of that. You just want to do your job, freaking leave, go home and see your kids. And like, I don't know, do your embroidery. Like you do you. It's yeah. okay to live the life that you you just described. And guess what? I'm going to say something a little controversial, but it is also okay to be that super ambitious person who wants to be, you know, who wants to be the boss bitch or wants to be on top of an empire. Exactly. It's, it's okay to go through a period of your life where you don't value work-life balance. Like, I'll just be completely honest. I'm in a phase of my life right now where like pretty much my basic requirements are, I do have to have a lot of sleep. Like I just can't function. I'm just not one of those people who can function on like three, four hours of sleep. So I'm not like pulling 12, 16 hour days on the reg, like some people are, yeah. but you know, I'm in a phase of my life where, um, 
I don't have kids. Me and my fiance don't have kids. He's also very entrepreneurial and ambitious and he's doing a whole lot. And so, you know, we're just like, we're just going to work a lot for the next couple of years. And then when we have kids, we want to slow down and we want to have some things really established by then. We're using our values to guide how we want to live our lives. It's intentional. You're not just chasing society's idea of whatever. You're doing it with a specific end and outcome in mind. So I think ultimately, you know, women should just do what what they like live their lives the way that they want to live them and know that there's no right or wrong answer. You know, we're in kind of a culture right now where because there's been such a huge backlash against like corporation imposed lack of work-life balance, you know, um, that sometimes I feel like in certain pockets of TikTok, like I get down a certain rabbit hole, it's almost like having having these high set goals is demonized a little bit. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's also not healthy. So I think we need to find a middle ground where we just respect what people are doing for themselves, you know? Totally. It's so funny how aligned we are in so many little things. I'm so glad I found you because I I say the same thing. I actually created um, an episode that was called like um, hustle culture versus rest culture, like which Mm -hmm. one's more toxic because people are all like hustle culture is so toxic. But I was talking about how rest culture can also be toxic because at the beginning of my business, I was totally the same way, Marissa. I was like, working all the time and like it felt so good. Like I had nothing else and I actually started my business during COVID. So I had nothing else to do and I, oh my gosh, I just worked, worked, worked. But then I was getting really um, like clouded by a lot of uh, feminine leaders, like women that were really into like feminine leadership and they were like, if you are not resting, if you are not slowing down, then you are not and you're receiving energy and you're not going to receive abundance. And so I actually, it felt really good to work and I like wanted to work really hard. And, and then I was like forcing myself to rest because like, I don't know, they were telling me like, I should rest. the right thing to do. Yeah. 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 Like people were like, oh, you need to rest. You need to slow down. Like you're moving too fast. Like fuck hustle culture. And so I was like, oh, I'm working too much. When in reality, like that part of my life, it just felt really good to work. I was inspired. I was motivated. I was whatever, doing the thing. So yeah, it's all about like, I like that you keep saying the word values. Like, and I think that knowing your values will also help you find the right job. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. even like if one of your values, yeah, if one of your values is like growth and achievement, like make sure there is opportunity to grow at that company and there's ways to move up in that company. If your value is like um, stability and security, like maybe Mm -hmm. make sure that like that job, I don't know if jobs do this, but maybe like you're able to get like a contract with them or like you do work with them for a certain amount of time and you have like certain health benefits or things Mm -hmm. that make you feel safe. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just like align with your values what's important to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I, I think that a lot of people, it's kind of the Dunning Kruger effect, like the, the, uh, least competent people think or feel the most confidently about their abilities. And this really extends to Mm self-awareness and values. I think a lot of people have a vague idea of what they want in life or what's important to them. And they have a vague sense of like, well, you know, I just want to be like a good person and I want to 
you know, I want to be successful, right? Like, doesn't everyone want that? But they haven't defined what that means to them. Like, very having those very vague ideas actually does nothing for you. And it's really hard for you to make decisions in your life when you're just stuck in that kind of fuzzy area. Like, whenever you make decisions, you'll always be wondering, did I make the right decision? Was there a better decision to make? Was there a better, faster way for me to go about it? And you're not certain because you don't really, really know. So yeah, yeah, I think one of the most impactful things um, a a young professional can do is to really define what that looks like and also know that you're going to change. Like it is completely okay to evolve and to change. What I valued in my 20s is nowhere close to what I value now. I have a totally different life now. I'm engaged. I'm working from home. I like, I didn't even know if I wanted kids back in my twenties and now I for sure do. And, you know, it's, it's okay to embrace that you evolve over time. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Things get to change for sure. That's one of my biggest lessons. (laughs) You're not locked in. Yeah. You're not locked in. I love that. Oh my God. This has been such an incredible conversation. Do you feel like there's anything that we missed that you really want to speak on? Um, yeah, actually, I wanted to talk about women um, and leveraging their professional experiences as authority in the workplace, mm-hmm. because yes. I feel like this is one of the most impactful things that a woman can do is, you know, I, I know that you talk a lot about confidence and playing small and all of that. And I think that there is a kind of societal expectation that women are going to be bubbly, agreeable, and humble. And it stops a lot of women from really speaking to and emphasizing their accomplishments in the workplace. And something that I noticed in my leadership role is just the wild, absolutely wild, Maddie, difference between how men approach leveraging their experiences and and projecting authority and how women do. And this is not to blame women at all. I actually think that, you know, something I heard recently was that um, it was from a high level woman business leader. And she was like, I don't want to hear one more uh, TED talk about imposter syndrome and how women need mentors in the workplace. Like the problem is the system, like the system is unequal for women and particularly women of color. And I totally agree with that. I think that we do need to fix the system, but just a a basic thing for valuing yourself is making sure that you are giving yourself enough credit for the things that you actually do at work. And I think what we often do is feel like whatever experience we had isn't enough and doesn't make us enough of an expert to talk about it in such a way that, you know, um, emphasizes like how much we, how much value we're actually bringing to the situation. So, Mm -hmm. um, An example of that would be, I think that a lot of younger women don't know that if you say you just worked on a project or some specific thing for like two weeks or a month, I think a lot of women don't know that that 100% counts as experience and knowledge that you should be leveraging and talking about. And I'm not saying project and fake and act like you're an expert on something. But you absolutely should be talking about that time that you worked on that project, what you learned, what your role in it was. Um, You know, I think that in, you know, if you were in a job position for 3.7 years, 
you were in it for four years. Like, <laughs> yeah, I came across this video once and I can't remember the, um, the woman leader who said this, but she was like, what I want women to start doing is to start bullshitting like the men do. Because what's actually happening is if you're a woman and you feel like you're bullshitting, you feel a little uncomfortable with how you're speaking about yourself, what you're actually doing is just giving yourself the proper amount of credit for what you accomplished, you know? So I think that's so important. You do not need permission to leverage what you have done in the workplace. And you should absolutely be recording everything that you have worked on as you go. Because I promise you guys, when it comes time to build up that resume or for the performance review or to look for your next position, you will not remember all of those things that you worked on. You won't. They will, especially if you're the type who's always kind of getting your hands in different things and you're really trying to move up the ladder, you need to be keeping track as you go of every single thing and going, this is what I learned about process in this. This is what I learned about leadership in this and developing those stories for yourself that you can tell later and leverage. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. I mean, to share with others and also just to remind yourself of like, I mean, I'm even thinking of like have your list that you can use to leverage later on. Also just have a list to remind yourself like even if it's a little win that you had, like one little conversation Mm -hmm. or one, um, you know, something with like a client or a customer or a coworker, like even just a conversation where you handled it in a good way, like write down all of your little achievements. Yes, to leverage, but also to just like have your own confidence. Um, Yes. I love like writing down things like that. I've even like, oh, this happened today and like I didn't cry about it. Like I Yes. Like that's I a little win. Always, I used to always have a folder in my email in my corporate jobs that was called the feel good folder. Yeah. And anytime I would get a compliment from anyone, I would put it in that folder. Yes. And on the bad days, I would go in there and be like, Look, I am amazing. I am on top exactly. of it. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And then of course I'd save that for um you know, performance reviews as well. But yeah, definitely recommend that everyone keep those as well. Yeah, exactly. I do the same thing with my business. Even if I get like one DM that's like, like this post really helped me. I keep a screenshot of it. I have albums on my phone of that um, that I can like refer, refer back to Mm -hmm. even, yeah, the smallest things. Um, What was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, I was just going to share – Yeah, there was a study where they took a group of men and a group of women and they both took this test and then they were asked how well they thought they did on the test. And all the women said like 70% is what they thought they did. And all the men said like 90%. And then when they actually got the test results back, guess who got the actual 90% and guess who got 70%, right? It's like the women were technically more competent. They just didn't think that they – were. Um, yes. So yeah, we, we need to, um, even though we have been like put down so often, just women in general for centuries have been put down mm-hmm. and, and made small. Um, you know, it, it makes us put other people on a pedestal and makes us completely discredit mm-hmm. everything that we have achieved. Um, yes. Yeah. I think that like, this is a moment where we get to like yeah. change that paradigm. For sure. Yeah. I think one final piece of advice I would give on that note is that if you are a person who feels nervousness when you're talking about your accomplishments and you 
worry about sounding like you're bragging or something like that. Yeah. Um, try to remember that the diff- there is a difference between bragging and just stating facts. Like when I started looking about, when I talk about myself and my accomplishments, I'm purely stating facts. And because of that, I'm actually protecting myself. I'm not really making it emotional. No one can really, no one can take facts away from me. So it's not like anyone can say you didn't do those things. There's not really a way that anyone can hurt me or make me feel silly or Mm. put me down for simply stating facts, you know, so kind of remove the emotional layer from that. I'm not saying you shouldn't feel um, super proud of yourself or what you've accomplished, but it's just kind of the difference in the mindset that you go into when you are speaking about it outward versus how you process it with yourself inward. So yeah, yeah just take the emotions out of it pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's really straight facts, that. baby. <laughs> like that's it. Like you can't, you can't say anything to the contrary about like what I've done. So yeah. And I feel like bragging and also like the word arrogance, like that yes. comes from feeling that you're better than somebody else, right? Exactly. Like the energy of bragging is when you're like trying to one up somebody. Or, or, be like, or be like, oh, look at me, like, da 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 da, da. No. You're seeking just... a lot of validation when you're bragging. Yeah. Like, actually, people who are bragging are in a more fragile emotional state than what you would be if you're just stating the facts about what you accomplished. Because someone who is bragging is really looking for, like, yeah, please say it was awesome. Please look envious. Please, like, make me feel better in that way because I need that right now. And that's why I'm, you know, acting this way. Mm-hmm. So I like to think about it that way. Um, especially if I'm in a situation where someone is bragging around me, (laughs) just try and feel that sense of compassion and realize like, you know, they're, they're in a certain state personally right now that is making them project this way. So. Totally. I love that so much. Wow. This has been so amazing. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, Yeah. To finish off, can you tell everyone where they can find you and learn more from you, any offerings you have going on, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm at the Marissa Moyer on TikTok and Instagram, um, officeinfluencer.com. My membership is just about to launch. It'll be launched by the time this podcast comes out. But if you're someone who is interested in developing your referent power and becoming that influential person at work. This is the how. This is what I've been working on for the last couple of months to make something accessible to people on a mass level to be able to develop that social emotional confidence and the particular career skills that we've been talking about this entire time. So um, if you're interested, check it out. And thank you so much for having me, Maddie. This was absolutely awesome. So appreciate you. Yes. Thank you so much. Amazing. And yeah, guys, I will link everything that Marissa has going on in the show notes so that you can connect with her. And yeah, I'm like, I'm feeling very fulfilled and aligned and grateful for this conversation. So me too. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Hope you guys loved this episode. Um, If you did, make sure you let us know. Shoot Marissa a DM and yeah, just let us know your guys' thoughts. Start a conversation with us. But other than that, I hope everyone has a beautiful week and I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Bye.